It is. So we're going to declare this with them because sometimes we have to remind ourselves of why we came. And so this should remind you of why you're here this morning and what God could do in the midst of us and will do, right? All right, ready, youth? I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. To know God, to love God, and to love people. God called me and named me. He is sharpening my sword and making me a polished arrow. My desire is to see what God will do through me. Epic exploits. God, we thank you for this moment in time that you're orchestrating everything. God, that you're working and you're doing amazing things in and and through us. God, we're asking that you would sharpen our swords. That you would make us a polished arrow. That you would teach us and show us where you're involved and how you're involved in our lives. God, we want to see you where we've never seen you before. We want to know you like we've never known you before so we can love people more than we ever have before. God, we thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit speaking to us and that your word is alive in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sorry. I forgot to announce that today, Emily, would you stand? Today, the group between 20 and 30 are meeting together right after church. This is your fearless leader, Emily Hansen. Um, Just meet in the back. Just meet in the back with her and praise God. God is so good. He's so good. Isn't he good? Why don't you just nudge your neighbor and just tell him how good God is? And maybe that'll wake him up a little bit, get him ready for the word. In John 15, 1, Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. And if you go to the Passion Translation, it says that my father, the farmer who tends to the vine, is my father. Sorry, said that a little bit awkwardly, but that God is the vine dresser, that he's the farmer that attends to you. And so we're going to talk about God tending to us this morning, that he actually cares and tends to us. The word tend means to look after, to watch over and care for or minister to, to wait on with service, that God actually calls himself the vine dresser. That means he actually is tending to you. And so I sent out a message to some of my friends and said, well, what does that look like in your life? Like, if I ask you, what is, if I asked you personally, how does God tend to you, what would your answer be? And, the, you know, sure enough, there's always one, one of your friends that, that flips the question right back at you. Well, what does it mean to you? And I was like, oh, I got to really think about this now. I was just like looking for answers, not necessarily looking to answer, but I... Um, I paused and I thought about how does that actually look in my life. And so I'm going to share the, like, the few things that I wrote to her. I said, well, God tends to places in my life that I can't seem to deal with on my own. That's one way God tends to me. He tends to my growth and brings me into a greater place for more growth and fruitfulness. And I think about God tending to me. That's what I think about. I think about him tending to me as a husband does. That God tends to me like that. He cares for me like that. He watches over me like that. I think about God tending to me in gentleness and love. That he's constantly faithful to me. Even when, I, when I'm unfaithful, even when I mess up all the places that, you know, ups and downs here and there, I think about him remaining faithful to me. And in gentleness and love, he tends to me. I think he tends to my gifts. Those things that he put inside of me. 
in the places that I don't have enough for them. He tends to those places and he brings himself in and then he makes it so I have enough. And I think that's another way he tends to me. So how does God tend to you? If I ask you that question, what stirs in your heart right now? Maybe write it on your paper. This is one way God tends to me. And so I was thinking about like God being someone that tends in the, the idea of like plants. I like plants. I like the idea of how God shows himself in the earth and, and how when you look in the earth, you can see the faithfulness of God, see how God orchestrates patterns and thought. And so when he talks about himself being a vine dresser, well, what do we have to look at? Then we have to look at the plants, the vines, the things of this earth. And so I decided, you know what? We're going to look at an apple tree today. And, and we're going to see how that, how, a, how would a, a person come in and tend to an apple tree? And so I went to buy an apple tree and I got the tag, and I was like, I, I wanted to buy a tree, and put. I always like putting a tree in the ground for when I got ordained. And a few days ago was the fourth year that I've been ordained. So I was like, I really want to put a tree in the ground just to like let it be a marker for me of like what God has done. And so I was looking at the back of this tag, and on the corner of it, it says I have to buy three of them. And I was like, oh, I don't want to buy three trees. I don't want that many apples e- either. But then I read the back, and you actually to like have the tree actually be fruitful, which would be the point, right? You have to buy the right other tree to, to plant by it so it pollinates it. And so there's a whole list of those trees, so I actually have to at least buy two. But I only bought one so far, because they didn't have the other one. You actually have to have a green apple tree to pollinate a Honeycrisp tree. And I would like a green apple tree, but the, the Lowe's, they didn't have green apple trees. But there's all the directions of how, like, the care that you actually have to do once you put it in the ground, the tending to it, the, the, the soil, the fertilization, the watering, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, making sure that it's in the right location, that the sun hits it just the right amount of hours. I think this one takes, like, six hours of sunlight. You can't put it in the midst of a forest. You know, there's different things. And so when you're tending to a plant or a tree of any kind, it needs to be watered regularly. It needs to have the right soil moisture. Like you wouldn't put this in the desert. You know, like you have to have the right the kind of soil. It has to have the right amount of light. Like I said, like this one you couldn't put in a forest because it needs like light from the sun for six hours a day. It has to be maintained with tools that the right things like you need like you know, if something happens to it. And so, like, don't worry, I'm not going to tr- cut the tree in half. <sighs> I was, it was in the back of my car, and I, I, you know when you put something in your car and it moves a lot, you realize, like, how not smooth you drive? Well, kind of spoke about that. <laughs> it bent and broke this. This one and this one was already mangled. That was not my fault, but this one was my fault. And so you have to have the right tools just to cut off like those places that are needing to be maintained so that it doesn't create issues then you have to have the right things to feed it you know you got to put all the the manure on it all the the good you know fertilizer things 
It also requires, you know, pruning it and, and waiting for the harvest so that you actually, you know, take the harvest in. There's a lot that goes into this apple tree. I might return it. <laughs> I'm not really sure, like, if the maintain, to maintain it, I want to take on that. That's like another child. I might, I'm not really sure. But God tends to us, each specifically, each of us, just like a fruit tree needs to be tended to, there's lots of different types of apples. Like, I don't know how many, but there's a whole lot. Um, and just like each of us, we're all unique and different. And we all require different care. And how we're tended to is a lot different. Some of you could care less about one thing being, you know, coming. Like anyone not really like getting gifts. Anybody out there? Everyone likes presents. Okay, never mind. Anybody out not like being hugged? You know, one of the... Th- oh, there's some hands raised. Okay, finally, I found something. Um, like, there's ways that we are loved and tended to that other people are like, I, could, I wouldn't care if I ever get hugged again. You know, or I don't care if I have this or that. But there's certain things, and God knows you specifically, and he's tending to you. He's tending to the seed. He's tending to the fruit in your life. He's tending to the plan. He's tending to the way it should go. He's tending to your past and your present and your future. God is tending to the whole picture. And so I want to take you into the story of David because I want to show you David's life. And the coolest thing is, is sometimes like in our lives, we are really narrow-eyed. Like we only see what's happening right now. And sometimes we look back in our past, but a lot of times we'd rather not. But in David's life, you kind of see the beginning all the way through the end. And so I'm going to show you the, the, the way God tended to David's life from the past to the present to the future of his life. It it's, encompasses his whole life. And so if you turn in, in 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to hit some highlights of his life. So not the full, um, there's not a, a specific verse there, but in that chapter... Samuel came to anoint David, but he didn't know he was anointing David. He just knew God had sent him to, the, to Jesse's house, and Jesse had nine brothers. And so this was like the beginning of David's story. This is, to me, his past, because his present is more like in the, the middle of his life. So at the beginning of his life, in his past, he had nine brothers, and when Samuel came, he's like, went from one brother to the next brother to the next brother. And there was a lot of real handsome brothers that David had, it says. And Samuel's like, maybe this one, because look at the stature he carries. And look, and God's like, nope. And then he went to another one, and he's like, nope. And he got through all eight of them. I think there was nine total Okay, good. My dad's shaking his head. <laughs> there was nine total, so he got through eight of them, and actually David wasn't even standing there. So there was something that David was carrying that even his father couldn't see in him. There was something that God was wanting to do through David that the, the people that surrounded him were like, almost like, yeah, it's probably not that person. Not, probably not David. You know, he just, he's out in the field. He's doing, you know, that kind of stuff. And yet God was like, hold on. To Samuel, no, you need to find the right one because I want you to anoint the right person for this. And so God was tending to that moment. 
God was speaking to Samuel and saying, I want you to anoint David. And then he got David out of the field. He's like, I'm not even going to sit down. I'm going to wait for you to bring him here. So he got him out of the field and he came. And I think sometimes in our lives that people will look at man's eyes through man's appearance and man's understanding, and they won't see the seed that you actually carry. But God is tending to it. God is tending and caring for who you are and what you carry inside of you. And then even in that, in that place and time where he was still a shepherd boy and he was anointed and so there was all the thoughts probably in his life of like, okay, God, what are you going to do in this and what's it going to be? A bear and a lion came to destroy David. And in that time frame, God used... David to destroy him by the by the hand like that's powerful I don't know very many people that can destroy lions and bears by their hands you know and yet God protected David's life he tended to that moment he didn't let David die by the bear and he didn't let David die by the lion so whatever's attacking you know that God can protect your life and keep it even in the midst of hard places because God has a plan and he's tending for you he's for you even when the enemy is against you, God is for you. And even when you can't see him working, we've sang about it this morning, God is working. And God was working in David's story. And so even when he came into the time of Goliath, and, he, and his brother was like, why are you even here? He was annoyed that he was there. And the king was like, you're kind of little. Because he put the, you know, the armor on and it hung on him. And he's like, yeah, I just need my sling. You know, and he's like, I can do this. I can do this. Like, Don't you know that God helped me to be able to destroy the bear and the lion? He's like, I would imagine they were like, uh, you know, really? And yet God used him in that moment to defeat the enemy that was against the people of God. God was working in David's story. He was tending to him. He's like, look, if I can destroy Goliath, then I know, you know he was putting those markers in his life saying, look what I can do. Look, at, look and see what I can do. And, and God was tending to that seed because he hadn't become king. He was anointed, but the full picture hadn't come through. He was still like that seed inside of an apple. Like that, the tree hadn't, been, hadn't grown up yet and it hasn't started producing yet. And... And sometimes in our, in our lives, God has things inside of us, calls on our lives that he's tending to, and he's working through you, and he's doing things. And even if it takes a little bit of time, you can't give up on that. Because what God wanted to do through David's life was far exceedingly more than what was in the present happening. And so in the present day, I'm going to go to like the like after he got into Saul's house and all the things. In 1 Samuel 25:38 he was fleeing and he was running from Saul because Saul was after him because Saul didn't like that God had anointed him. And yet God was working and it said it's a story kind of interesting about a, he was out there and he was protecting land and then the guy was like annoyed by him and he was like, I don't want this, I don't really want to take care of you. And so in the midst of it, I want you to really see in these accounts where God was working in someone's story because God's working in your story. 
So it's not like the full picture. I don't want to give you the whole story. I just want you to see, oh, oh, God was working. So this guy, Nabal, was um, insulting him. And it says about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So God was actually protecting David in the midst of his story, even if David couldn't see it. I, I think that's just a powerful thought. And if you go on in his story, David was in the enemy's camp. And in 1 Samuel 26, 12, I think about your life and if there's ever been a place where you felt surrounded by your enemies. And so David was standing there. It says that David was standing right by Saul. And Saul was his avenger. Like he was coming after him. And he said he was standing and he took the spear and the jar of water from Saul's head. And they went away. And no man saw it and knew it, nor did any awake, for they were all asleep, because a sleep had fallen from the Lord, and it had fallen upon them. Like, God can cause people to even fall asleep so that you're protected. God was tending to him in that moment. Like, there's power that God can do in your story that sometimes we, we just let our stories kind of just ramble through and ramble on and all these things. But God is actually tending to your story. Like, I think about, like, God causing people to fall asleep so they can't attack you. Like, they were so asleep. I can't imagine when they woke up and realized, like, the spear was gone. How in the world did they get in my room? You know, how they get this space, into this space. That's a close space. And then you go on that in 1 Samuel twenty three seventeen, this was probably the place where Saul was closing in on David the closest. They were on the same mountain, and one was on one side and one was on the other. And they were raiding. And all of a sudden, Saul heard that the Philistines started raiding his camp back home. And so he actually withdrew from the mountain. And, Sam, and as he withdrew, David was able to escape. And he actually labeled that place the rock of escape. And I think that God can even cause the enemy of your enemies to arise. And cause them to be shaken. And I, like that God was working, he was interfering, he was involved, he was moving in this story of David to protect his life. That, that, that even in a narrow escape, God made a way out for David. He didn't just like transport him and plop him off the mountain and just take him into a high place. No, he made a way. And I think you serve a God that makes a way, that is tending to your story, that is doing things in your story. And maybe that maybe at this point in your life you need to say, God, let me see how you're tending and you're working in my story. Because God is working in your story. He's doing things that you can't do. He's doing the impossible. He's making a, a way because there's something you carry that's important. You carry something that's vital to this generation. You carry something that's in, that's, that God is saying, I, I need to position them right here at this place so that they can stand in the position to be a deliverance for people, to bring hope to people, to bring healing and freedom to people. And that's what David did. You know, when he became a king, he stood in a position that equipped him to lead the people. And God is calling us as a church, he's calling us as individuals to recognize what he's doing in our story so that he can position us in the right place. He's tending to you. 
And that tending could be him watering you, or it could be pruning you, or it could be, you know, pouring more fertilizer on you because there's something in you. It's really cool. That inside of you carries that seed. It's in you. There's something that God has inside of you that he wants to to position you in the right place to, to be able to bear fruit, to be able to produce, to be able to do things. And so that's what he was doing in David's life. He was he was doing things in, in David's life that that didn't hinder the work of the Lord. And even when he came into in the story of Saul uh, continually pursuing David. In 1 Samuel 22, Saul was moving forward and he, he was coming after him and he came into a group of prophets and he started prophesying. And guess what happened? He didn't get to go very much further than that. God even used the church, the people of God, to bring the hindrance of the enemy on David's life. In 1 Samuel 23, 14, it says, And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. That the enemy does seek after us to destroy us, to kill us, and, and to do these things. But God is the one that's invested. God is invested in your story. God is invested in tending to you. He is the vine dresser. He's tending to your heart with care and compassion. He's tending to the seed, the, the things that you have. If David would have died, nothing would have happened. All the things that God was wanting to do. So God continually tended to that place to keep him safe. To secure him in. To guard him. To protect him. To not allow what was inside of David to be defeated and destroyed. The invisible God was tending. And working and involved intricately in David's life. And he is in yours. Because he's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. And and in Romans 8.31, it says, If God is for us, then who can be against us? And God is for you. Even this morning we sang that, that song, You Never Stop Working. Even if I can't see it, you don't ever stop working. And I was thinking, God, in David's story, he probably didn't see it. Like, we can see it. We see the whole picture. And that's the cool thing, is that God sees the whole picture in your world. And God is working. And he never stops working. You can't sing those songs and not truly believe them. You have to start taking them and saying, you know what, I really do believe this. And, I, and maybe tell yourself, well, God is working in my story. So tell yourself. Tell your neighbor. He's working in your story all the time. It says in Genesis 8.22, the earth, as the earth remains, there's seed time and harvest. There's always something God is doing. He's always working. And as you're living and breathing on this earth, then your story counts. That God is tending to you because he would like to see you be the most fruitful. To see you to move in, in places that, that you've never moved in before. And just like 
David's life. So you go into the future of his life. And that's why I put a bucket over there. Because like you get like all the gardening stuff and you see the trees start growing. But way over here in your future, God ha- I put this, this basket here. Because a lot of times when you go to an apple tree, you pick apples and you put them in a basket. Like right now, there's no apples on that tree. But maybe if I do a really good job, it'll have apples someday. Unless I take it back. <laughs> Possible. But the basket is the future. The idea that God has a future that's full of things that are fruitful in your life. And the fruitfulness of your future, maybe you can only see an apple. Good apple tree. Mm. And I get to eat an apple. But maybe God sees you being juice and producing juice off of that apple tree. Anyone want juice? And throw someone juice. Josh, you gonna catch it? Oh, Adrian caught it. Maybe a lot of juice. Ready, Brooke? What? She caught it. I mean, should be basketball. I mean, baseball player. Okay, I'm gonna get Anna. Oh, I missed, I missed, I missed. Okay, but maybe it's applesauce and not so much juice. I'm just saying. Maybe God is asking you to be the the applesauce. The thing is, is an apple tree doesn't just produce apples for apples. That's a great thought, but there's so much more that can come out of it. There's so much more in you that sometimes we can only see one thing. And I, I don't want you to get stuck on the thought of just one thing because David is like, okay, God anointed me king. And maybe he would have been stuck on the thought, okay, I'm a king and I get to rule. But God actually put inside of David something way more. He actually says in First Sam, Second Samuel seven sixteen, and your house and your kingdom shall be sure forever before me. That it was not just for him. It was for the seed he carried and the seed of the generations ahead. And that actually is you because Jesus came through his seed. It was a whole lot more. David's life was a whole lot more than just about him. And don't get so fixed on you. Like God's got you. He can tend to you. But what about the things that you're called to and the people you're called to and this generation that you're, you're called to affect? That there's so much more. There's so much more. That promise was sure. I want to read to you in the Amplified Version, 2 Samuel 23, verse 5. And this is some of David's last words that he, that he spoke. Um, I believe that that's what the Bible says. For does not my house stand so with God? For has he made me, for has he made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure? For will he not cause to grow and prosper all my salvation and every wish? Will he not make it grow and prosper? And I feel like David was speaking of the, the things that we are living in. Like that, that, that the God that you serve, that he made an everlasting covenant with you. 
in that word, it says he ordered all things as carefully drawn document. That word, there was no room for construction in that document. It was secure. Think about the tree. There's no rewiring. There's nothing that that's inside. It's all encompasses inside of it and, and what it's doing. And, and it's like... You don't sit there and just think like, well, maybe it's going to give me avocados, you know? It's not going to give you avocados. It's going to give you apple seeds because God constructed it that way. He made it that way. He, he actually orchestrated this little seed to do a lot. So when it goes in the ground and it gets buried in the ground, you're not digging in the ground every day looking at it. What's going on in there? God's doing something. He's, he's tending to it. He's creating and causing the growth. He's the one saying, is it not him that causes it to grow and prosper? And it's the same for you. It's the future of your life. And what the verse that, that I want to impact you this morning with the most is Ephesians 2.10. And it says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He tended to it all. He created you and he crafted you and he made you just the way he, he designed you on purpose. And then through Christ Jesus, through salvation, being in him, being completely encompassed in him and, and becoming a new creation. I love what Pastor Mike said last week. He said, an apple creates an apple. There's something that speaks to us of that. That when we became a new creation and we are in Christ Jesus, that we are in him and we are representations of him. So as seeds of Jesus Christ, that we look like him, we get to represent him, we get to apple to apple. There's like a thought in that, that when God did that, he gave you a, a picture of you and him. And that he worked it all beforehand. He's completely orchestrated the whole picture. That we should walk in them. That, that we should be fruitful and we should produce. That, that this is like a normal everyday occurrence. Continually walking that out. Good works. I'm going to walk good works out. I'm going to walk good works out. You know, getting into that groove. I'm going to walk good works out. I'm going to walk good works out because God already has them already orchestrated and prepared in front of me. He already has them done. He's been tending to you. So I want to take you right back to John 15 where I started where it says that he's the vine dresser. In verse 2, I'm going to read it to you. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that I might bear more fruit. So when he comes to tend to your life, he's going to take the branch, like I just cut that branch off because it was dead and it was hanging there. But he's going to tend to you and he's going to make it so, okay, they're going to be more fruitful. He's going to prune you so that you can create more fruit. Who wants more fruit? 
And it says, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit on it by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and, and it withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. God is calling you to be connected to him this morning. More connected. David's life represented that. Through and through. If you read through all the story of David, he always went to the Father. He always contained. Ask, okay, what do I do here? What should I do here? He abided with him. He lived, even in the most troublesome places, he said, oh, my soul is downcast. Oh, God is going to come and help me. Or, oh, this is happening. Oh, God, God, you can help me. You can, you can do, you can cause my enemies to be destroyed. You can do this, you know. All the places, even when you read through the Psalms of it, David's heart, like, there wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, always the up and up. There was moments where he had struggle. But God did things intended to his story and he knew God is tending to me. Because he wants you to bear more fruit. You should expect in your life to bear fruit. Because you're connected to God. Just like you would look at this tree and expect it to bear apples because it's an apple tree. As children of God, we should bear fruit. And it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's verse 7 of John 15. And I want you to actually say, I'm going to dream bigger. It says, ask whatever you wish. When you abide, that, like, like you shouldn't just say, oh God, I really would love it if it had two apples on it. How about I want the whole apple tree, I want the juice, and I want applesauce, and I, then I want to build, you know, a whole big fence or something with the wood of it. I want all of it. I want more. There's something in you that can produce more, and I, I, I just don't want you to bank on what you've always banked on, but I want you to go after more. Like, dream bigger. If God's saying, hey, I, I can give you all of this. Even David said that. Whatever I wish. He would do. God is the same God. He'll do it for you. Are you asking him to do more? Are you just hoping he kind of does a little? Like quit hoping for a little and ask for more. My kids do not have a problem with it. Maybe you should be with them for a little bit and see how much they ask you. I mean, they might ask you for a million bucks. I don't know. But I'm saying, like, as children, they don't have trouble asking. As children of God, stop having trouble asking God to, to heal you, to deliver you, to bring you into this, to answer your, your need, to move in our community, to change the world. That was, that was like... To actually, what Justin said, like we should believe that there should be religious freedom. Like we should want these things that are beyond what we can actually. I don't have a million bucks. If you ask me, I couldn't do that. But God, he has a cattle on a thousand hills. So like he's got it all. I don't know how to heal cancer, but God, he does. You know, like, I don't know how to mend your broken heart. Like Dave said, you can go to all the different people, but God does. Like, sometimes we don't even ask because we, we simply don't expect to believe it. But you don't ever come to an apple tree and say, well, I'm just not sure. 
you actually think an apple's going to come from it. And we have to start expecting that from God because he's tending to us. He cares about us. He loves the mess out of you. Like so much. It doesn't matter. Like if you look at David's story, he messed up a whole lot. And we didn't even probably hear all of it. We just got little pieces of his messing up. But even in his messing up, the son that came after him on the throne was Solomon, and that was from Bathsheba. One of his biggest mistakes, and his biggest fumble, and the worst sin that, you know, there was all this stuff going on. And out of that place, God brought the next heir to the throne, that inter- and that actually came and kept going all the way to King Jesus being on the throne. So your mistake isn't too big for God to move because he's tending to your story. He sees the seed. He sees the potential in you. And the thing is, it says by this. So all that that producing and asking God and saying, God, I want to see more fruit. It says, and by this, in verse 8, my father will be glorified that you bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So is it that you want to bear fruit for yourself or that it's the potential of glorifying God? He wants you to bear fruit so that he might be glorified. You can't limit God inside of you. It's a giant inside of you. You serve the mighty God, the God that can do way more than we sometimes think. And so in your compassion... Ask God to fill you in your love, in your expression, and and ask God to cause it to be fruitful in your life. The places that you lack the most, ask him to tend to and say, God, I want to be fruitful in this. What is this in you? Me writing. God, I want to be more fruitful in writing. Tend to that gift inside of me. I want to be more fruitful in my parenting. Tend to that space. God, how do I become more fruitful in in how I react and respond and do things as I parent my four children? You know, there's places in our lives that sometimes we need God to tend to. And we, we need to ask him, say, God, I want more fruit. Where are those places in your life? Because you serve a caring father. That's tending to you. See, he knows all the things that you need to be tended to. And he's the right position and the right place, the right amount of light. He knows right when you need watering. He knows how to, you know, cultivate the soil. He knows all the things in the harvesting of it. And then it's uh, the spreading of the seed. So that you might glorify the Father. That your heart might be, God, I want to produce so much that you're glorified. That when people look at my life, they say, only but God. Only you, God, could have done this. Like, I don't have enough. God, all the places that I don't have enough, be enough so that people can say, go, God must have been in that space. She definitely didn't have enough for that. And it's true. Then he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Because he's tending to you like he did in David. He's tended to your past by the cross. All the places you've messed up, he's tended to. Because at the cross, he tended to him. In your present, 
He's consistent in tending to you through the Holy Spirit, ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he's already been in your future. He can see the, the fruit. He can see the good things, the good works. He's like, oh, I prepared this for her to walk in. And I knew she'd do that. And I could see all of those good things because he's over there and he's cheering you on to keep going. He doesn't want you to give up. Would you stand with me? God is for you. He's not against you. No matter what enemy you face, no matter what place you feel like this or that, God is working in your story. He's tending to those places in your life because he cares so much for you. God, we ask that you would cause us to be more fruitful. Maybe just this in this moment, say, God, would you cause this place in my life to become fruitful? Just to ask him. It says to ask, and I'll give you, he says he'll give it to you. So, God, we do, as we abide in you this morning, we're asking that you would cause every area in our life to become more fruitful, that we might glorify the Father. God, we thank you for tending to us. We thank you for caring for us and, and loving us so well. God, we ask that you would just it, overwhelm us in the places that you can cause us to be more fruitful. Give us eyes to see what you're doing, God. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you so much for what you've done for us, Jesus. And we just give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Put your hand in your heart this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Go in his grace today. Follow him with everything you've got.